What's up, guys? Welcome to the very first episode of The Second Life, and it is a Joseph Kim podcast with yours truly, Joseph Kim. You know, it's crazy. Why even start a podcast? You know, there's thousands of these out there, and it's just amazing that, well, why why even do it? Because I had no idea, had no desire, I had no, just nothing, no motivation to even do one. I just didn't even care to listen to them. I just didn't care. But it's funny how when you're going through the course of your life, you have these things called life, like situations that uh, build up to a thing called a story. And so it's amazing that I'm learning that podcasts, good ones that is, tell a great story. And I've been on different stages. I've been interacting with several people about uh, my story and we haven't gone into it in full detail. So tonight, you guys are tuning in to the very first episode of the very first podcast. The reason why I want to call it The Second Life is because uh, in my story, you're going to learn about why I was giving a second chance, a second life. It's not necessarily about just surviving the catastrophic events. It was getting a second chance so I can rebound, so that I can start living boldly. So that's where my childhood began. I was just a wild kid growing up, just running around, pogo sticks to skateboards, just having a lot of fun. I just really enjoyed just the taste of adventure. And sometimes with that taste of adventure comes a lot of risk and danger. So I want to get into a little bit more and speed up the timeline just a bit about what led to this podcast. Because with this podcast, we're going to talk about various topics. We're going to have various guests that are going to share their stories because it's about unmuting your story. You have a story to share. Why haven't you shared it? Is there something that's holding you back from sharing your story? So I want to be one of the few to say it's okay to share your story. So we began when I was living in a town called Augusta, Georgia, and just having fun, making friends, and living in this affluent neighborhood. And it's it's crazy that whenever you have friends that are also as crazy as you are, you're kind of influenced by the people you're with, the environment that you're around, and that you grow up that way. And so no trespassing signs meant no limits to me because if I could survive, now that's a key. If I could survive from things that say no trespassing, do not enter, do not dare, I still did it. So I was six years old at the time. And it's, uh, it's so crazy that I remember a lot of this. And the stories will have some ups and downs. Because before I go into what happened at six years old in 1990, we will talk about different things in future episodes about what the situations were, how I overcame these catastrophic situations, potential solutions that can just give you hope. It's not to tell you exactly these are the solutions that you should follow. Definitely check with professionals before you check with any of these methods that have worked for me. So being six years old, I always wanted to climb behind the fence. There was this gigantic sign that says no trespassing. There were actually several of these signs. And so one day, 
friends and I, we were just out and we saw like somebody had some bolt cutters and actually cut this little hole. I said, okay, well, it's only a cute little two foot seven inch. I think it was shorter than that. I was probably about a foot tall. I was a tiny little guy. So I was able to just kind of like get in this cannonball and just like shoot through kind of like Sonic the Hedgehog. And it was, I believe it was five of us. It was uh, all of us were neighbors on the same court. And so we would go and we, we walked down this path. It was a dirt road and we, we saw this house. I think what I saw there was a shovel. For some reason, I liked the shovel because it's one of those golden shovels, like it was a trophy sho shovel itself. And this is when I was living in Augusta, Georgia. And we were walking, we were snooping around this old guy's house. Saw this tractor and saw all these things. He owned a little farm and I wanted to kind of like take the shovel, take the carrots and just go because he was um, growing carrots. Then we were on our way to leave. Hey boy, hey, who is this? An older man with a shotgun comes out. He did not give us a warning, not one. So he takes one shot in the air. Pow! We start running. We run as fast as we could. Our little cute legs, as fast as we could. He shoots twice more. But the great thing was about this situation, nobody passed away from it. All five of us were protected. I was in the back. I go home after that. I pass out on the floor. I was six years old at the time. Lo and behold, I was actually shot. Got nicked in the ear. And because of the shock, I actually had suffered my first near-death experience. My friends, I did not know any of this happening. I didn't know the, the old man actually followed me into my home. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. The ironic part was the police weren't called. So when I finally woke up, so to speak, I got punished. I got whooped. I'm an Asian guy. So growing up in a Korean home, <laughs> you get punished for everything. <laughs> and I have an older brother. So if you're listening, bro, it's for you. Anytime he got in trouble, I got in trouble. Anytime I got in trouble, he got in trouble. It was an equal opportunity for us. Pretty nuts. So that was the first one. And I had to go back to the timeline because there's actually a pattern behind your, or particularly my traumatic brain injuries. Because this one actually nicked my ear. Fortunately, my skin tends to grow really quickly. And it covered over the scars, which is a, a miracle, which I will actually go into a little further with what happened in 2021, almost a year ago, a little over a year ago. So I was eight years old, nine years old, uh, swimming in a lake called Clark's Hill, just outside of Augusta, Georgia. And I was somehow, I didn't know as I was swimming, I love swimming, I love taking chances. And I think, uh, the water scared us. It was like something that ran in the family. And so if you know those, those, I think those, uh, those ropes, it, it like, it's the, the boundary to the wake zone. So the wake zone, meaning if you're on a boat or a jet ski, that's a no speeding zone. They call it the, the wake zone. So you don't speed there. And both times my leg was caught and the, the rope is supposed to be pretty taut and pretty tight. But it was loose 
on both of those days. I don't know exactly when. It was probably in the summertime. And the rope ties to one of my legs. And something made the line sink both times. It was ironic it happened both times. And it was my right leg that was caught in this rope. I don't know what happened. I probably was just spinning around in circles and just having fun. I was just being a kid. I was trying to live my life. Then I tried to go up, but this rope started pulling me. And I'm going to combine the two stories because it happened twice, almost in the same area with the same exact scenario, where only thing I could reach for the surface above the water was were my lips. I couldn't, I couldn't get my eyes. I couldn't get my head above. I was short. I still kind of am, but it's okay. But I, 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 bla I pitched, it was, I blacked out. I was out both those times. And it took a lifeguard to see that I typically wear bright colored swim trunks. And actually I'm looking at the pair right on my bed. I have orange swim trunks. There's a reason why I wore that. And it's crazy that uh, it wasn't the same lifeguard, but the lifeguard that saved me actually gave me mouth to mouth both times. Well, each of them had given me mouth to mouth to get me back to life. So I was pretty much gone. That was three of them. And I actually have to go to my, my um, timeline because uh, I haven't, um, again, I have to make sure I get my dates correct on what happened with these. So a lot of these that have happened, there, there was no lesson behind this. I, I, up, I up and get up and I get another life. I, I hug whoever saved me. Um, and fortunately, the first one, when I was six, I was able to, uh, I was at home. I mean, I created this puddle of blood there, but it was, you know, fortunately I had people there that took me to the hospital. I, I didn't need medical care um, when I drowned both times, but there was not a, a message to this. I, I just went on and lived my life. And because I was under 10 years old, there, there was nothing about it. You're like, wow, okay, this is three near-death accidents. Well, the definition depends on you. Near-death near death accidents could be you actually being pronounced dead for a short period of time. Or you could almost be at that point where, again, I didn't understand this. So let's speed up to 2003. I recently graduated high school in college at a uh, very, very, um, a really highly respected university. And so I got to have lunch with my father and we weren't actually in good terms at the time. So a lot of this really, my risk taking, a lot of this adventurous spirit really caused a rift in the family. And so there's going to be a message to this because that's actually what um, potentially became the solution to what, what caused this, um, these near-death accidents. Because again, there's a pattern to all this. So 2003, I just get done at the, at the sauna. It's the Jeju sauna, which is in Atlanta. So I was actually going to school in Atlanta. So I had a great time. Was Playing basketball was, uh, I think I was at a 3.2 GPA. And then I had fun. I was just meeting all kinds of people. Was was the playboy of of a particular fraternity, but just having fun. I just had a great time. Like everything that I did, I just had a great time. I was just happy. I was laughing, and anything that stressed me out just didn't. I just made a choice not to get stressed out. 
Then on a fateful day, I leave the sauna and I said, I need to go look for a job because I'm in college. I didn't have any money. And um, the thing about a sauna is that it dehydrates you. And when that happens, you probably will get drowsy and you get tired. And so what ended up happening in 2003, I fell asleep on the wheel at a light. But the last thing I remembered, I pushed the gas, but my body was paralyzed. I couldn't feel anything. I hit a car, I felt a pink, and then went into a ditch. Okay, nothing too crazy, right? But when I woke up, I was actually out six hours. I get up six hours later. I don't know why it took paramedics and the police that long. I wake up and there's this pole. If you ever see those temporary fences, it's got kind of like the nylon orange thing that like serves as the barrier and you got the metal poles or like a... Uh, rusted poles or whatever one went through the car i wake up it was within about an inch and a half away from a vital organ my sensitive spot down there between my legs <laughs> crazy uh so with that uh, my father actually came to the scene and um tried to take care of everything meaning he took care of everything else except he didn't really care about checking back with me our relationship is much better today uh, it didn't improve after the second car accident. So we're at number five, where I got thrown out of the car. So the second one, I hit the ditch, but came out of the window at 40 miles an hour. And there was the temporary fencing again. And I wake up, the temporary fencing was on the right side within inches of my ribcage. So again, there there was no, there was no cause to this. I didn't want to get into these situations i wanted to be like everybody else i wanted to grow up i wanted to get the best education i wanted to be successful i want to be known for something and then again 2012 let's speed up past college i go hiking and again there there's a lot of the the daring spirit the the high energy the yolo because if I almost died, but I didn't, well, I'm going to do something again. I'm going to keep taking chances. What, what What's to say that I might not be here tomorrow? My attitude was so different about this stuff. And that the crazy thing about the five near-death experiences, I didn't feel any of the pain. I actually was blacked out all of those times. I wake up, I probably had the repercussions, the after effects of the accidents because I felt it the next day after sleeping, sleeping it over, sleeping over it, thinking about it and uh, processing what the heck just happened. But I still try to maintain my attitude. So 2012, I was uh, working with the marketing agency and I was in Phoenix, Arizona, was having a great time. And uh, my coworker flew to Chicago. So I had this 40 foot food truck. I said, okay, what the heck can I do? On a December afternoon, it was 70 degrees outside in Phoenix, Arizona. I said, let me go climb a mountain. But what intrigued me was that there was a particular mountain where you weren't allowed to climb it. If you look it up, it's called Superstition Mountain. Superstition Mountain is about 15 minutes east of Scottsdale. And the mountain actually, rumor had it, that there were diamonds that are still in the caves. But the caves were about... I believe 350 feet. 
but there was no way to get up there by just hiking by walking. If you've ever heard of bouldering, bouldering is where you took no equipment, you wore what you got, and you were climbing the mountain with your hands and with your feet, trying to find the next rock to grip so that you can pull yourself up. If you've ever taken any rock climbing practice at the uh, the gym, you'll see them color-coded. But when you do it out in nature, you're not going to see really any of the color-coded rocks. It's just these little bumps that you kind of have to grip so that you could catch yourself so that you can get up to the top because I was searching for diamonds. I just was seeking that adventure. Indiana Jones got me excited. Harry Potter got me excited. I got excited over these movies where it was all about the adventure. And if I could live from this to tell the story, I will. So it became kind of a game. You know, it's it's crazy. But the thing about bouldering is that with nature, nature doesn't necessarily give you the cleanest path. It's not the clearest path that you'll ever take. Remember that with your life, is that your path is never straight. It may not be as wide as you think. It might be so narrow and with a lot of turns and twists, you might have to hold your breath, go under a crack, you might have to go through the crack, or you may have to create the path along the way. So sometimes when you boulder, you, you may not be able to reach high enough to the next part or to the ledge, you might actually have to jump. It's called a leap of faith. You may call it something else. You may have to jump to try to catch the next ledge so that you can get to the next part. Because my goal was to get those diamonds. I was so excited about it. But then I made a mistake and I, I positioned my feet. I was in the right place. I jumped up. Did I miss the ledge? No, I caught the ledge, except it was loose rock. Oh my God. Of course, with the loose rock, I fall anywhere between 20 to 50 feet. Hit some, hit some spots along the way, some sharp spots. Boom, on the ground, lying flat in my face. Uh, come to find out later, I broke a couple ribs, broke my shoulder, broke my clavicle, broke my nose, broke my cheek, broke my arm. <laughs> I didn't know until later. So I was operating with a broken arm for over six months and uh, broke my kneecap. Didn't even know I had a broken kneecap when I, until I tried to squat. Squatting is never fun when you have a broken kneecap. Didn't know any of this, but that's not the caveat to the story. I ended up landing on a flat surface. It was enough of a ledge of a walkway. Now keep in mind for any of my friends who are listening in from California or anywhere out west, there are coyotes out there and any wild animal animal that is a carnivore can smell blood from miles and miles away. And so what I was not prepared for was the fact when I got up, I don't know how long I was out because my phone was destroyed. I didn't I lost track of time. I just knew that the sun was setting. And before I reached for the ledge, I heard some howling. And then I fell. Boom. I get up. I'm bloody. I'm bruised up. It's just nasty. But then I hear these footsteps. <laughs> not from human beings. Because remember, I'm still not at the base of this mountain. I still had a couple feet to go down. I think it was like another 10 or 15 feet to get down. And there were two coyotes that came from opposite directions. 
mind you, the coyotes in the East Coast, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and the coyotes out there, they're not very aggressive. They don't even mess with the puppies out here. But you'll probably hear reports of puppies getting kidnapped and just a very, very terrible result for these pets because coyotes are pretty aggressive out west. Out, excuse me, out west. And so there was an alpha and a beta that were coming towards me. And to tell you that I was fighting for my life, I don't know if the, the fall was something that could have ended my life again, or if the attack from the coyote as it was trying to bite at my face. And I had no room to maneuver. But if you ever have adrenaline, if you had one of those moments where the adrenaline just kicks in, you heard the stories of how two people would pick up a tractor to remove that because the adrenaline kicks in to save the kid who was getting crushed. I was getting mauled by one coyote. It was the alpha. I don't know everything that happened because things were getting blurry. The white light was showing. Oh God, this is the end. This is the end. But then again, the adrenaline kicked in. And sometimes when a wild animal is ready to bite, it tries to intimidate you with showing its teeth. Call me crazy, call me stupid. I said, this is my chance. I'm not gonna get up and try to run because if I rolled over, the coyote may actually try to bite and try to take my flesh away as I'm trying to get up. I said, the one thing I can only do is I'm gonna grab it by its teeth, try to jar it open to the point where it may not stop, it may stop attacking and then would run off. Then I heard a, because ah! I pulled enough. But again, it seems unbelievable, but with adrenaline, you can do anything. <laughs> Look it up. There's countless stories of how you could pick up a car by yourself. If it's important enough. My life was important. But did I find out what the problem was? <laughs> no. I really, really just, I don't know. I just, I just didn't, I didn't seek medical care. I went to an urgent care, but that wasn't really medical care. I was like, just tell me what I need to get. I just, uh, I got a couple bite marks and broke my bones. Uh, what do I need to do? I don't have health insurance, whatever. I was just trying to create an excuse just to get out of it. So I don't stay overnight at a hospital. So I survived from it. It took about a year to recover from the broken bones, from the bites, um, definitely got, I definitely, actually, I remember going to see a doctor to make sure I didn't contract rabies because I did get bit a couple times, but miraculous, miraculously how great our bodies are. I definitely want to do an episode about how beautiful our bodies are and how recovery, it, it, you can recover so well that even scars can disappear. And so, but I do have one that I kept. I try to keep as much of it as possible. And guys, if you guys really enjoy this episode and you want to tune in to more, definitely subscribe to the channels so that you can tune in for many more. And definitely follow me on Instagram. And I do have a, a link posted of the website because it'll lead to what my purpose is. Because I thought my purpose was just to follow what my parents said and, and what the people said. You know, you're you're Asian. You, you, you live in an affluent neighborhood that you don't belong in. So prove yourself. Be a doctor. Be a dentist. Be an attorney, be an engineer. Well, I kind of technically became one of those later, but I, I, I just had a weird feeling that I wasn't going to be identified based on what I did for work. 
And I heard this from an interview with Neil uh, deGrasse, DeGrasse Tyson. Uh, I got to get his name right. And uh, he said that you're not your income. You're not your profession. You're not these little things that you're labeled by. You're actually living your life. You, you are you. Who you be. We're human beings. And so we take six near deaths. I should have been gone each one of those times. But now we, we fast forward to 2021. And I was actually, uh, and this was during the pandemic. This was one, one of the craziest times we live in today. This is where the lockdowns were just getting us to a place of just insanity. It was just, where's the hope? There's so much craziness going on. What, where's the hope at? Well, I said, you know what? I can't sit around at home. So about a couple weeks into the lockdown, I said, what can I do to serve others? Because every time that I got into a situation, it, it was the downfall of serving too much. And you'll hear the term enabling. Enabling is a very dangerous thing that you don't want to enforce on others. So I was heading up at the time a research company where we were researching through COVID tests and we were extracting data to try to create an organic and a natural form of the vaccine. You don't hear that story because it never made it. It wasn't just three organizations that created this vaccine. There were actually more than 30 of these. Three zero. You guys don't even know the story. But the next time you, you do any searching about alternative med medicine and mindfulness practices or positivity, how often would you see that in mainstream news? You hardly see it. So I was running this company. I was about to move to Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. And this is where the turning point happened. So that's a town south of Charleston, South Carolina. You know, we have social media. We have access to everything technology-wise. I didn't mind the move. I was actually excited. It was another opportunity, a place to go where I've never been before. And But at the time, I was traveling also to uh, many different states. So the fateful day was February 16th, 2021. This is where we'll get to the bulk of what happened. So buckle your seatbelt for this one. This is going to be so unexplainable. If you've ever heard of the show, Unsolved Mysteries. I think William Shatner was the uh, the host and the voiceover, and I, I won't do his imitated voice, but uh, it was a beautiful day. It was 65 degrees. It was a warm day outside. I remember wearing shorts and a short sleeve t-shirt. And mind you, one of the things I told you earlier was that I had a knack for skateboarding. One of my favorite, and if, if I had a best friend that was not alive, that was still functional like a human, I guess, or technology, was the one wheel. If you ever look it up, I named him Ollie. Uh, see, we were best buddies. We went everywhere. As long as he was charged, I was charged. I was on the go and I was ready. So that plays part in the story. So the context of this, I was already working 95 hours a week. Because when you're in research and you're in the medical field during a very, very uh, intricate time of history, you're going to be working a lot. That's why next time when you see somebody in the medical field, thank them. Buy them some flowers. Buy them lunch. Give them a hug, for God's sakes. Do something. Just tell them thank you, just like you would with the military. 
because first responders, I respect you so much. Being in the field, I know it's crazy. So what happened the day before, this is 95 hours worth of week, uh, work for the week. I eat, ate healthy. I started breathing exercises. Prior to this, I actually started taking cold showers. A very crazy practice, but you'll probably hear that in a, in a future episode where we'll talk about the benefits of how cold showers could actually save your life, but how it actually saved my life. It's not the only thing, but it was one of many different tools that I was able to access. So I did all these things. Had a great prayer life. Uh, meditation was all good. I was positive. I was being kind to everybody. How could you do all these things and have something taken away from you for a snippet of time? So it was a, I believe, a Monday. I don't know if the 16th. No, that was a Wednesday. Because Valentine's Day, I believe, was on a Monday. Because I was supposed to wish my mother a Valentine, happy Valentine's Day. And then, um, but the, the night before, I was uh, supposed to visit a couple of testing sites just to collect data. And I was just working by myself. It was just, we didn't need that many people because the uh, testing lines were getting less and less. And the vaccine was just about to roll out. And we were about to actually put our vaccine into the market, but it got rejected. So there was a lot of politics involved with that. So there was a tornado, it was a spot, spot tornado that just hit Mount Pleasant, destroyed a, a small part of a parking lot and maybe about a, a quarter mile radius of Mount Pleasant. Because I saw trees and branches fall down and they were down already when I came. So... It affected a testing site. There were tents there. There was a generator there. There was a bunch of different pieces of equipment there. And so I said, okay, uh, got the calls, got the text message, got the 911, all that stuff. Uh, can you help us? Because um, our, our tents got destroyed. We need some help. So sure, I'll come over and, and help you guys. Again, there was no condition that could have said that I would have been gone this day. So I show up early in the morning, took care of business. To, did the whole Georgia the jungle climbing up the trees uh, and just ooh, ooh, ah, just going up there grabbing all the all the tents all the things and the generator actually uh, flew about 50 feet because the tornado is pretty um, pretty intense so it was about 4:46 p.m. because that's the last thing I saw on my phone and actually I think I yeah the device I have right now is the phone that um, I, I last had. Uh, when this happened. So I said, okay, uh, everything's been uh, brought together, got a pile, and I would use my one wheel to go to the dumpster because it's about a close to a quarter mile walk. It's a, this, this was in a church parking lot. So there were no other cars around. It was a pretty slow day. It's a breezy day. It was a beautiful day, but you know, there's some trees that uh, had some branches that, that broke off. And um, when I saw the time, I said, okay, it's time to go to the dumpster. I saw 4.46 p.m. Lights out. I did not see a thing. I lost feeling in my body. I didn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything. Nothing. It sounded like I was already lifeless at that time. I had to find a, an eyewitness who was still in the area but I found her last week. So it took a year to find her to confirm that this actually happened. And she actually was helping me with all the cleaning and to make sure that everything was going to be in order. So she said, I, I'm just bored. I want to, I didn't hear that. 
I was blacked out already, but we had a conversation and I asked her, I said, Alicia, did you, did I sound like I was, did I have any like voice issues? Did I walk funny? Was it, was it just odd? She said, no, you actually were, were like, you told me a funny joke. And I, I laughed. It was a good time. You were trying to lighten up the situation because there were some really stressful days that led up to this, to the 16th. And I said, okay, well, I'm going off to the dumpster. Mind you, I did not see a thing. I lost all senses. Pretty much my spirit left my body, except my body was still in operation. This is where it gets really weird and strange. So uh, tighten your, your belt buckle here, your seat belt there. And I get on the one wheel. And the thing about a one wheel is that certain models have a top speed. The model that I have is a very small one called the Pint. The Pint actually tops out at 16, 17 miles an hour. I didn't know how fast I went until I checked the app because the app actually tracks the data. Because once you register the board, it'll tell you how fast you go. So the, the way you ride the board, you're going to ride kind of like, and it, you want to ride where the plane of the, the board is as straight as possible. It doesn't lean one way or the other. For you to go faster, you lean forward. So my right foot was the back and my left foot was the front. So I would lean towards my left side to speed up. So I would speed up by leaning forward. The thing is, if you go too fast, there's a knee-jerk reaction, a regulator, uh, no, a governor of sorts. Uh, there's governors in big trucks and cars, things like that. It'll lean you back to the right side. Mind you, on the board, left means go fast, lean right means slow down. So when you don't have any kind of sense of reality and you're not there anymore, you're going to lean. And so if you lean too much to speed up, it's going to have no choice but to throw you off by this failsafe of shutting off. So if you ever see a seesaw, you know, kind of lean one way or the other, think of in the cartoons where somebody jumps on the unoccupied seat of a seesaw and it whoop, flings you off. Mind you, I only have one eyewitness that saw this and the terror in her eyes when she sees that I'm like wobbling now. I think this is when the first indication of this is not going to be good. I get flung off and I found out the top speed, believe it or not was 21 miles an hour, five miles an hour faster than the top speed that this crazy skateboard will allow me to go. So you're in midair. Again, nobody's home. So my lifeless body hits the edge of a sidewalk, face first at the bridge, kind of where the temple and the forehead kind of meets across the top. When you hit the surface like that, that fast, again, the crazy thing is each of these near-death events that happened, experiences that happened, I did not feel the impact of any of these. So I wake up, it's six hours later, and I'm looking at an image of myself, and you'll see a picture of it, where my face is swollen, I've got road rash, forehead, there's a scar that remains on my right forearm because I, I'm learning about my body that the, the skin re regenerates so quickly and it tends to cover over scars unless it's a very deep scar. Even with that, it tends to cover that as well because I have uh, spots where I had surgery to remove cysts and certain things 
where it the skin somehow grew beautifully to make it look smooth. So I'm like, what the heck happened? So to rewind the clock back to 446 or 451, she said it was about five minutes later I get into this accident. She starts screaming. And then again, this is the account from the nurse, Alicia. There were five other nurses there running, running to, to try to save me, to, to try to help me out. They turn my lifeless body over. My nose doesn't just bleed downward. It shoots like a fountain up and down, up and down. So now two nurses faint and they knock out, they black out because I thought nurses shouldn't be scared of blood. But the way it came out, when I bleed sometimes through, um, like if, if I get hit like a with a baseball or football, it doesn't come down. It actually shoots. <laughs> so I'm a shooter. So they immediately call the paramedics. They come within minutes. Fortunately, these were nurses because I wouldn't be here. The nurses come or the, the paramedics come. They do the eye test where it's the light between your eye, um, uh, in your eyes. And then they kind of, you know, have you look at the finger, you know, just to make sure your hand-eye coordination, make sure that you're, you're aware. They start asking questions as they did, did the test. The thing, the crazy thing was, again, Alicia stuck around for this part. And I answered the question, like, I can see fine. I could, and I had a conversation with the paramedics and we had a joke. So funny. It's just weird how um, I could just have the conversation. I didn't know that happened. So go to the hospital. I get operated on. had some surgery done and had these brain scans done. So officially cracked skull, broken bones, which was making contact with my eyelids and was cutting away at the nerves because the, the eyes are the furthest extension to your brain. So that connection, that neural pathway was getting cut by chips of broken bone from my skull. So I was on the verge of being blind and actually having my eyes taken out. A bridge of my nose breaks. My skull cracks in, in different places, kind of like the, uh, the, the fault line. I had a new fault line of my, my skull and parts of my brain gets exposed. Um, broken finger, uh, broken cheekbones, there, there wasn't anything else. Oh, and uh, there was some impact done because I had a blow to the back of my head, which that's dangerous because that can lead into brain hemorrhages. It can lead to um, early stage of Alzheimer's. There's a lot of things that could happen. So I get operated on, but then I was asked from the doctors. Again, I have no recollection that I even existed to live through my visit to the hospital, to the ER. I discharged myself. How weird was that? I had no idea what happened. Discharged myself. I ordered my own Uber from my phone. Thank God I had the uh, the person's name and I was able to contact them through Uber customer support. So I get a ride back. We had a great conversation. It was awesome. I go to the hotel. So I was about to close on an apartment. To get to that hotel I was staying at, the Town Place Suites in North Charleston, I had to use a key to get through the door. I had to at least say hi to the front desk because I'm, I'm a kind person. Then I also needed to take the elevator because I stayed on the second floor. And I also had to use my key to go to my room. For some reason, I don't know how I was able to eat because my food was missing, thought somebody stole it. And then I was I sniffed around because at 10.46 p.m. when I woke up or uh, 
regain some kind of consciousness. I started sniffing around like, okay, I, my arm is wrapped because something happened there. And why do I have my head half, half wrapped? This is really, really interesting. Took a shower and I didn't reapply the bandage, but um, I talked to the front desk. So with all that, the paramedics to the hospital, to the Uber ride back, to back to my room, and I didn't realize I even went to bed for a little bit. My body was functioning without me being there for six hours. Could you imagine? Anything could have happened. How could somebody, humanly possible, be able to issue an Uber? And mind you, when I spoke to the Uber driver, we had a great conversation. He needed some advice. He asked me for my perspective and gave him a beautiful, I don't know what I said, so I don't know how beautiful it was, but to him, he said, yeah, you helped change my life. <laughs> and and I'm literally now at 1047, 1048 in tears. I said, what the hell happened? Why am I still here? I had to go back. There was this image as soon as I blacked out, and it felt like five minutes, but I'm sure it was hours that passed when all of this was happening that I forgot to also mention. If you've heard of resuscitation, it's one of these things like clear for two hours. This was the first time from a near-death experience I was actually pronounced dead. They were putting the report together to say Joseph Kim, obituary at the age of 36 and it still didn't make sense because when all of this was going down I felt like I was walking down a dark hallway and if you ever look at a there's an artist named Kendrick Lamar and there's an album I think it's called Humble or it's the cover of that track called Humble where it's a spotlight to the person what I saw and I felt like I was walking for a long time, for five minutes, felt forever. Jeez, felt like I was very patient in this one. But then I saw the spotlight. It's like, okay, I need to get to the spotlight. And I couldn't get there. But then I heard this voice that said, come home. Come home. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come home. We want you here. By the split of the tongue, I said, hell no. It's not time. It's not time. There's too much to do. How could you end a man's life, let alone a human being, when you're in the middle of doing something great? You're doing a great work. You're serving a purpose. And just like that, you, you end your life? And I go through that. I went through a battle. And this was just... I thought I was shouting because I had to ask, like, was I shouting? No, this was a battle inside of me. I said it wasn't time. It wasn't time. I, I can't do this. I need more. I need more time. Why? And then that all turned into this white fade. It faded out. And then that's where I see my face. And I said something happened. I don't know what happened, but damn it, I need to learn what happened. Or better yet, what I learned later is 
what is the purpose now? Where do I need to go now? So that began the road of recovery. So I end up getting rid of the company, no longer in the, in the, in the research business. I was unemployed, briefly worked at a jewelry store for about a month. And that, that didn't pan out very well because I was getting these headaches. And what you guys didn't know is through all of these near-death near death situations, I started getting these migraines around the occipital lobe. It's the bottom, it's the bottom parts of the skull where the neck connects. It was near the vagus nerve. And I was wondering why I was getting these headaches. Nothing made sense. So I went out to find the top neurologists, neurotherapists, went to a brain train. I went to anybody possible. And if this is a message of challenges that you will face, just know that the solution you were provided right then and there may not be the only way. And it may not be the right way. Because remember, who is counseling you? Who's coaching you on these solutions? mostly human beings. So this is where the journey started, where I had to get it right. So I said, okay, this is not my first rodeo, but this was pretty close. I was, it was, it was almost over. And I don't know if it was the battle from inside in this dark room with this deep voice that I, I, I had to convince that my work was not done. What's ironic is I'm starting to feel a minor headache right now as I'm sharing this story. Because it's so wild when you can start listening to your body, but that the headache was not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Like it just disappeared. It was a trigger because I needed to share this. So I contacted the neuro neurologist and a neurotherapist and I was getting counsel done online because during COVID you couldn't really travel. It wasn't encouraged. It wasn't, there was no vaccine mandate. There was no mass, there were mass mandates, but you had to be an essential worker, but I was no longer that. I was an unemployed guy for, uh, for months, <laughs> but because of, um, making the decision and to prepare financially beforehand, they call it the rainy day. I had a hurricane that happened and I went through seven of these professionals, one from Johns Hopkins university, the other one from the Mayo clinic. What they all told me, they gave me this orange bottle <laughs> that had a white cap on it that had this funny name on it, on a sticker that had these Latin terms. I said, what are my symptoms for this? Because if this is my quest, my quest is not to be shortened because of symptoms. I had a funny, weird belief, and I wonder why I was so adventurous, and I still am, why I dare to take chances because I knew there was some kind of hope. And I, I think it was the craziest idea that could I possibly heal from all this? Not in record time, but could I heal fully and to be able to live better holistically? And so I rejected every single, that's why I'm not um, too uh, too, uh, too much of a fanboy with regards to titles of people. Because these professionals, what they didn't have, they did not have background information or experience of alternative methods.
I could afford it. Yeah, I had the money. Great. I had this. I said, no, there's got to be a better way. I knew too many people that were able to beat cancer without using much or none of chemotherapy and how people rose from the dead, had near-death accidents that you should have, they should have been dead because they had limbs come off. Like, okay, how can you live from that? That trauma, the blow. But what, what helped me through all this is that pain doesn't really scream at me telling me you need to get on your knees and beg for mercy. Because pain didn't register very fast to me. Call it a superpower. But I'm very thankful for it. But I go through this, this whole cycle of just trying to find the right people. Then I met two very special individuals that walked me through. And this was not just a physical healing. Whether you believe it or not, spiritually is something that's important. Spirit might be the first thing. It might be the base, the foundation of who we are. Because that's where we are living in this one place that we live in most often. I probably should have been gone. I should have probably lived in some other being or a bug or an animal with the spirit. <laughs> gone. So these two specialists, one um, I went to actually was in Australia. She walked me through and got me to tell the story to the point where I got to find patterns. Oh, we're back to the patterns. Because every time I woke up from these near-death experiences, all of the pain that came later, or the side I was laying on, or where the pole stuck through between my legs was on the right side. I'm not to say that this last, this most recent, hopefully it's the only one um, that I could just live my life, that this one that came recently, as of last year, it, it was this journey I went through all the way back to why enabling became the key word to my journey. The problem was, um, as we went through the story for over 30 years, actually up to the point when I um, had my first near death, was that my brain hemispheres were reversed, masculine Feminine energy, you can call it uh, the, the creative side, the lo logical side. They were flipped. So I was a walking, confused, chaotic, uh, adventurous, uh, YOLO, did not give a crap if I was here or, or not type of person. And I was on a destructive path. Addiction, listen to this, addiction was not strong enough to take me captive. It was the fact that I was enabling people. I was their superhero. You know, sometimes you, you kind of see where what people go through and you're like, okay, you can tell that something's about to happen to them. It may not be like the, the big pothole that they fall in. Yes, you want to be able to tell them, hey, you're about to fall in this pothole. But it was certain things that they had to go through. They had to learn for themselves. I robbed them from learning, from making a mistake because I was scared of people failing. I was scared of people making mistakes. I went through it. I wanted to save them. And I did that for all of my childhood, all of my 20s. Mess up every relationship I ever got in. I probably could have got married on many different occasions. But because I wanted to be a tryhard, I wanted to do everything to be there for my potential wife, for my for my lady and say well, queens don't do anything. That's a crock of crap because we're independent 
fierce warriors that journey together. You should be happy with yourself in the beginning. I wasn't. My happiness was from saving people from danger. But a lot of the things that are in, in our minds that are negative, I think like 99% of our thoughts that are negative never manifest. So thankful to these two individuals, uh, the, the one in Australia walked me through and told me a story, like put me as a character of this kid that had their parents die in like a, it was like this regression where the, the parents had died. And it's like, why would you kill somebody innocent? Because they were serving, they were missionaries. And then I got thrown into battle to become a warrior. But I died within a couple years of training for this army because I thought that was the right thing to do was to save other people, was to go to war, was to fight for everything. But then I learned from that, from the Australian, this, this beautiful lady that I met on the app Clubhouse as you guys are tuning in. And she just woke me up and said, look, we need to have your brain hemispheres flow in the right direction. You're going to experience brain fog. You probably don't remember how to speak. Yes, I lost my ability to speak the ABCs. I couldn't count. I couldn't multiply. One times one. I couldn't even add. I couldn't do any of that. I didn't have the critical thinking. I couldn't do anything right. And so I got to play some some tunes when I go to bed. Usually when I go to sleep, I play lo-fi uh, hip hop, like it's just music in the background, just all background sounds and had a great time with it. I would go to sleep and be at peace. And so she walked me through all that and said, here's what you need to do. You have a cord. Um, and this is on the spiritual side. You have a cord tied to somebody in your own family and to certain people. I don't know how you're going to approach this, but you need to cut that cord immediately because you've held on to this cord over 30 years. And it was an emotional moment. I was pissed off. I said, you got to be kidding me. This is what caused all these situations. And then I went to see the other professional who is local in a town called Marietta. And we did this brain scan where this is the EEG um, scanning where they you know put the gel and you got to operate a TV and the lights with your brain, which is the coolest thing ever. I want my brain to be like uh, Professor X, Professor Xavier from X-Men. I mean, you got to love that guy. I just want to be able to control everything with the mind and say, okay, yeah, pick this up, levitation, and just go from there. But when she received the results, she said, who did you see and what happened? I know you had a, an accident happen. I said, well, I got to see this person. And she gave me the quickest um, report and said, get out of my office. Because she didn't believe in alternative medicine, alternative practices. I don't think she even had a proper breathing routine. Because anytime I would see her, her breathing was off. So she said that um, you're, you're actually on the road to recovery faster than you think. What would take a lot of people close to a decade, two decades, or the rest of their life. It took one week for the fractures to heal in my skull completely. I didn't restore cognitive ability to the fullest until surprisingly three months later. 
So within that time, I took an adventure, and there, I have a friend named Philip, who's my Ugandan brother. He took me in, but what I was recommended from these two professionals, they told me, go to a place where you're not around people, and do not talk to your family, do not talk to your closest friends. Get out of there and be gone, because I need you to go through this integration period, because you need to accept this new healing in your life, because for some reason, there is a purpose out there that you need to fulfill, and I believe that door is opening. You need to go now. So I take off for Utah, Montana, Idaho, parts of Colorado. Where else did I go? Uh, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I went to the to the uh, wild, wild west. I did all kinds of stuff, hiking, took my friend Philip all over the place. He enjoyed everything, except we went to Yellowstone Park. They're known for bears, and you can get out your car, if you want, at your own risk, uh, my recommendations get bear spray. And I actually went bear hunting because, again, the adventurous nature comes out. I was always living boldly. But it was me trying to operate at full capacity when my CPU, when the computer of my body was already malfunctioned. It had viruses. It was not operating. It was corrupt. I was living in a corrupt body. And to go out to hunt for bears, I did. I saw one. It was about uh, 70 yards away, and I ran after it. Ah! Ah! Shooting the spray like I was one of the little Wild Wild West guys. Just like, hey, what's up, guy? Pow, 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 pow. And just shoot my little pistols in the air. Uh, mind you, you only get seven seconds for bear spray. So I'll have to probably tell that story a little bit later. But I go through these adventures. Had a great time. But then I also had these periods where I would pass out, but I was, my brother held me. He, he got me. He took care of me because I would only be awake for like 30 minutes, pass out for another three hours, get up, be awake for five minutes and just nod off and be gone. But then I had crazy movements with my digestive system. My, I was getting headaches where it felt like my brain wanted to come out. I wanted to like rip into my skull and take my brain out. <laughs> But it, it, it just, it was just a crazy process. And it's still unbelievable to this day, even about a year later, how um, I'm able to even get on here to do a podcast, to talk to you guys, like nothing happened. Like, this is unbelievable, Joseph. How did you, you don't even sound like you went through anything. There's only a few people. Because remember, I had to go on this little journey for a while where uh, it was, I believe I was gone for three months. It was two and a half months. I was gone. My, I could have, I could have been broke by all this. Like financially, there was no worry because I built the rainy day fund in the beginning. I didn't know what it was for because whatever you do now, this is the message really. Whatever you do now, it's the preparation for what lies ahead. You're not trying to dwell in and try to live through uh, the future. That's anxiety. You don't want to go dwelling into the past too much that is called fear. <laughs> so through that whole process, I said, I need to get back to civilization. I'm done hunting bears. We actually saw, I think we almost caught a wolverine too, which was cool as these little cute things that are running, but they're not very friendly if they start like choosing your leg as prey. So that's, that didn't happen. Thank goodness. But to, to be able to realize that, okay, I'm now at a better place. And I said, okay, what's the thing I need to do to get my mind at a good place? What can I do right now? And it's one of the things that I, I can highly recommend. Get into a debate. 
start arguing with people <laughs> and you guys were like no way screw that that is just messy why would you do that so i get onto um an app you heard it before clubhouse clubhouse is an audio based platform where you could talk about different things it's going through these hallways it's like a school and all these topics are up it's like these rooms with doors open like hey i want to hop in here 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 and here and i got into as many arguments and fights as possible i almost scheduled plane like uh like flights to go and fight people it was amazing gosh i think that's the the fighting spirit inside of me has not disappeared because i'm still fighting for my purpose and my dream and so i uh, i started getting my cognitive ability back i started actually it not just getting my memory back not just being able to speak but to actually improve my memory because remember, the things you do beforehand, mind you, all these things I did beforehand, the alternative, the holistic practices, I did these about a few years before number seven of these NDEs. And so my body was able to do its healing. But then because I was able to clear the mechanism, it's a term from Field of Dreams. It's where for the for the mind, you're, you're, you're going into the mind to clear everything. But it was also to clear uh, relationships that were going downhill. It was clearing up all the traumas. I literally went on a, not a landfill type of thing with, 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 uh, with all these traumas, but um, I had to go to, I was in a relationship. She actually dumped me, dumped. She dumped me in the middle of my recovery. She said, I don't want to be with a man that's down like that. I'd rather be with somebody else. I hope we could still be friends. I said, I don't have enough room for friends because you weren't one in the first place. That didn't put me into tears. For some reason, that put a smile on my face. I'm so sick when that happens. But I wasn't because that was one of the things I had to resolve was this relationship. Because what ended up happening, what become, what became born into, into me was this word called intention. This action word called intention. Not just to do it because it was off of a checklist. I got to do it because I had nothing to lose. I was alive, given another chance. But not only was I going, defeating the, the, the grips of being bedridden, I had a 50% chance of paralysis. I was supposed to be blind. I was supposed to have a stammer in my voice or a stutter. I, I was supposed to sound different. I was supposed to lose everything, lose it all, and file for disability. All these things. This is my story. But none of that happened. So this intentionality came about. I said, okay, I'm getting my memories back. I don't know what happened in those six hours. That's okay. I was able to resolve so many different things in a matter of weeks. But this was years and decades of buildup, of enabling people, trying to be a superhero, finding low-quality people to, to attach with. Because I was low-quality myself. To be able to wake up and then say, you know what? You had a purpose all along, Joseph. But I'm going to make sure that because if you have too much stuff inside of you, garbage or in the terms of uh the lymphatic system 
if you have too much fluid building up, because the lymph lymph system, the lymphatic system, uh, it, it's supposed to get rid of this fluid that has bacteria and the, it, all these it, waste. If you have too much waste in your system, that becomes poisonous. That's what happens when you keep trauma inside of you, is that it becomes waste that you need to release, excrete it, whatever you want to term it. But to be able to release that so fast, <laughs> woo, I was exhausted. But it opens the door for many great things that were supposed to come your way anyways. Why are you doing this to yourself? That's what I was asking myself. I said, enough is enough. It's time to clean house. And typically you would go cold turkey if you have these bad habits. And that you might get back into the old habits. Yes, I've ha I still have temptations of wanting to get back with that person. Or with somebody that's like that person. The toxicity. I, you, you feel like you relish in that. That's why the, uh, the tabloids at the grocery stores, right at the checkout. Because they want you to grasp that. Because that's the last thing you want to see. Tune your eyes straight ahead. Don't look at those magazines. Those are dirty magazines. Look straight ahead. Because you have distractions that come from different directions. Look straight ahead. So with that, my purpose has changed to now unmuting the stories of those that were told you cannot tell your story. You're a woman. You're this orientation. You're this gender. You're, oh, you're religious. Oh, heck no. You should not ever share your story. I call bullshit to that. Why was I given another chance? I believe with intention is to find a way. I don't care if I have to fight my way and I have to throw punches and elbows to make my way through so that I can unmute my story. Because one person that might be listening to this, whether it's on YouTube or if it's on Spotify or if it's on Clubhouse, no matter where, if one person can hear the story and say, you know what? Gosh darn it, I'm not going to let anybody stop me from telling my story. And so now I'm here to build a platform with, with the help of many different people. Um, there, there's so many people I could thank, and I'll have to thank you guys in the description. Uh, but you guys know who you are. And there's a special young lady I thank for even the concept of a podcast. This podcast was supposed to start in June. But there's some things that come into place when you know what you want and, and that you have intention about pursuing that dream, that passion. Because, I mean, sometimes there are things that I, again, like I said in the beginning, why do I even want to do a podcast? I hate doing podcasts. I don't even want to do the interviews. But the things that you hate sometimes might be the things that lead you towards your purpose. There might be things that you like to do. Call it passion. But remember, there's usually a balance and a moderation between the two. So now there's a platform that's now opening up where I may be the one that, as we speak, may have the, the tools and the platform or the land, so to speak, to be able to open it up. And then I can come back like the, the great Harriet Tubman. She didn't just earn her freedom to just stay free and leave. She came back. And she had the meanest shotgun ever. I Don't worry, I'm not going to carry a shotgun. But to come back and say, you know what? I have this platform for you. I want you to join me. And some of you guys know this, that we have a movement that we're starting with this. 
It may start as simple as this podcast. It could be something else that opens up. But I'm very thankful to be able to share this story. And we're going to go ahead and go into more detail of some of the things in the next episode of how the recovery really happened. Just to share with you that there are other ways to get to your purpose. So with that said, remember guys to uh, subscribe to the channel. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Instagram. You can find me on the website listed, jkthebrand.com. You can listen to the podcast because it's here to stay, baby. Because whether it's right now or two years from now, it's here for you. I just wanted to give you guys some kind of hope that there is an opportunity to potentially change your life and that it takes intentionality and it doesn't really take that much. It can start as a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to take this one step. I'm not going to let these family challenges and these issues stop me from realizing who I'm meant to be because you become the person you need to be to handle this vision or the dream that you've been given. You don't necessarily have to build the skills, although you can on the surface build the skills, meaning translated that you become that person. So it was a pleasure that you guys tuned in for the very first episode and we are done. So we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the second life of Joseph Kim podcast. Peace out and we'll see you guys next time. Love ya.